What you are currently listening to is bonus content, and it will not affect the scheduling of your regular Tabletop Twats episodes. So, please sit back and enjoy. Bonus. Delicious bonus content. Bonus. Ooh, bonus content. Bonus. So it's like bonus content in that, mate. Okay, so recently on Google Plus, we asked for you to send in your um, stories of your favourite characters from RPGs and your RPG experiences. And only one person actually did that, and that was um, Jeanette Gerard. So thank you very, very much. But having read uh, the story that she sent through, um, we realised that it was far too um, extensive uh, to fit into a podcast and far too good to have to butcher and uh you know tear apart just to fit it into an episode so what we decided to do was release a bonus episode where i'm going to do a reading of the story that she sent through so this is going to be kind of like an audio book type thing um so sit back and grab a cup of tea and just enjoy this story this is the saga of magda the silver witch summers and this is by Jeanette Gerard, and it's read by me, Harrison Hunt. Magda's mother was a member of the minor nobility from a small village outside of Nome, but fell in love with a common blacksmith. She eloped against her family's wishes, and they disowned her. When Magda was five, her father was killed in a freak accident at the shop. Her mother swallowed her pride and went back to her family to seek forgiveness and help with the two young children, but they had cast her out again. Desperate, she turned to prostitution to feed her children, and as a result, Magda was exposed to the worst elements of the streets of Nome and had limited choices. She found she was pretty good with cards and dice fairly young and determined to follow this career. It was slightly more respectable than the life her mother had been forced into. Her younger brother proved to be sickly and introspective, though incredibly smart. Their mother was able to read and had done her best to teach her children the things they would have learned had they been accepted by her family. Magda, though, was an indifferent learner, preferring to escape the misery she saw in her mother, the drinking her mother used to dull her degradation, and, of course, the clients. As long as her mother lived, she used her winnings to ease her lot, but due to the hard life and heartbreak, her mother died of grief and humiliation shortly before Magda's 20th birthday. On her deathbed, Magda's mother begged Magda to see to her brother's education, to give him a chance to live the life her family's rejection had denied him. But, in a final whisper, her mother also confided that nobody believed the accident that killed her father was actually an accident. She knew it to be punishment from her family. Magda placed her younger brother at the local temple for education and she regularly sent gold to pay for his costs. She packed her meagre belongings, including an amulet of Shalia, which was split in half. Each half was worn by her parents while they still lived. Her father had made it for her mother from fine silver when they married. It was the only thing she had of them that she cared to keep. She set out travelling to find better opportunities and earn her way with her cards and dice. Despite her hard childhood, she was friendly and outgoing, though somewhat naive to the darker aspects of the Empire, and for years she managed quite well.
When the campaign started, Magda Summers was 25 years old. She had travelled a bit since her mother's death, making a living by gambling, which she was good at, and occasional petty theft if the opportunity to steal from one of the upper classes presented itself. Over the years, she had gotten to know the owners of a few merchant caravans, and of them all, she liked travelling with Oswin the best. He always treated her with respect and didn't allow others to mistreat her. In exchange, she helped with the communal cooking. On the streets, she had become fair hand at defending herself and was pretty skilled with a short bow, so would help defend the caravan if needed. Then came the fateful day that Oswin hired a couple of questionable characters to help protect the caravan. One was a wizard of the Amethyst School, Carsten, a surly jerk who had little to say to anyone. And Garth, a student from Altdorf, who actually made his living digging up graves of body parts for a professor who needed them for research. The first week they were with the caravan was largely uneventful, a small skirmish with bandits. The easily repulsed Magda tried to be friends with the newcomers. The student she felt sorry for. He was obviously poor and could barely make his expenses on the road. The wizard was a different kettle of fish, arrogant, uncommunicative, reacting with suspicion to every overture Magda made to befriend him. And Magda was trying, in part due to her nature and in part due to her curiosity about the magic user. She had not encountered such on the streets of Nung, and only rarely in her travels. Her efforts were repulsed, and eventually she returned to spending time with Oswin and the friendlier members of the caravan. the story didn't really begin until the fateful day they arrived in Gablets. The arrival in Gablets was unheralded by the usual pack of kids and dogs rushing out to see strangers arriving, and the whole area seemed covered in a miasma with a depressing sense and visible signs of decay everywhere. Though it was harvest, no one was in the fields, the crops appeared to be withered in the ground. Everyone stayed with the caravan except Oswin and Magda, and Oswin commented on the sad, neglected appearance of the town. He came through here about once a year and he was surprised in the changes in that short space of time. The caravan came under attack briefly during the night, but again, whoever the attackers were, they were driven off. However, come morning it was obvious the wagons themselves were starting to decay and there was sufficient damage to force them to stay a few days while repairs were made. To be brief, while they waited, the information came out that the decay of the town was being blamed on a witch that was named Carmilla. Others believe she had accomplices and had indeed hung several people, including a priestess of Shalia, at the crossroads, and some unwary strangers who had been merely passing through the town at an unfortunate time. Further inquiry told the party that Camilla lived somewhere in the forest, and she'd cursed the town because its mayor had once been her lover, and after she bore him a son six years earlier, he had driven her out of the town, denouncing her as a witch to all who listened. He blamed his affair on her witchcraft and saved his marriage to his wealthier wife. The mayor offered them some pay if they sought out Camilla and asked her if she would lift the curse. The party agreed, but only Garth, Carsten and Magda were free to set off early the next morning. They found the remains of those hung at the crossroads, and noting the robes of the priestess, cut down her body and took her badge to a temple at the first opportunity. By late afternoon, they came upon a cabin, shabby and neglected in appearance. Here, they found Carmilla, and though Magda had no warnings or suspicion, on that day, her own fate was sealed. After some heated words between Carson the wizard and Carmilla, she made it clear she had indeed cursed the village, and had done so because of the brutal way her lover had repaid her love and rejected their small son. This brought back memories to Magda of her mother's struggles, raising her children after the rejection. 
commoner informed him that her price for lifting the curse and saving the village was the death of her lover. Carsten balked at this and stalked out of the cabin. Garth and Magda, for whatever reasons, agreed to try on Camilla's behalf. She gave Garth a poison to use, and she would give them a token to show that indeed the word they carried was from her. At this point, Carsten re-entered, having seen the woman's small son slip into the cabin and hide behind his mother. He told Carmilla there was something odd about their son. It got a bit nasty, culminating in him threatening her child if she failed to remove the curse. Magda and Garth, bothered by this threat, left and waited for Carsten at the edge of the clearing. When he came out, Magda suddenly remembered that they had not gotten the token of recognition from Carmilla due to the interruption and went back in after it. She had a few brief words with Carmilla, assuring her that she would not allow Carsten to make good on his threat. And Carmilla said that his threat deserved some retribution. Magda saw what Carmilla had given Garth. Did she perhaps have something milder with which to teach Carsten a lesson? Carmilla obliged, handing Magda a small packet and locket she said her former lover would recognise. Magda took them and returned to the others, but still extremely irritated with Carsten's arrogance and bullying. As she walked by him, she kicked him. This was really the next step to her doom. And then Jeanette includes a note here. It says, the exchange out of character was quite funny at this time. The player for Carsten didn't realize that she had really kicked him. Once it was clarified the GM required him to roll to invade, he failed, and then Jeanette had to roll for damage. He limped all the way back to Gablitz. Returning to Gablis, they joined the mayor while he was eating. The party was not, they were merely delivering the report. He seemed very focused, and to distract him and give her the opportunity to put the poison in his food, she gave him the token from Carmilla and told him what she had asked to say to him. It worked rather too well. Magda succeeded in getting the poison in the food, but his excitement over positive word from Carmilla, he stopped eating, and then paid them, and they had to leave. The next morning, events took an ugly turn. They were informed that the mayor's wife had been murdered and were to go to his home for questioning. At first, the party was alarmed. Obviously, the mayor had never eaten the poisoned food, but perhaps his wife had. This fear was dispelled when they entered and saw the body of the wife brutally stabbed to death in the foyer. Carsten was not with the party since he always slept in the caravan and they had men out searching for him. Magda quickly suspected the mayor himself had killed his wife to get her out of the way so he could go back to Carmilla and did not hesitate to say so. She informed his people of the errand the day before, of Carmilla's promise to the mayor, and that he had far more opportunity and motive for this crime than anyone. They wavered, but eventually a fight ensued. Oswin, Garth and Magda were able to hold off the guards, and Magda shot the mayor in the stomach with her bow. The damage was enough to ensure his death. The fight was nearly over when a strange thing happened. A wild wolf came tearing through the door and ripped the throat out of every man who was down. A few got some arrows into the wolf, but it did not save them. Stunned, the party left the house, but noticed, in short order, the miasma seemed to be lifting. How the hell did Carmilla already know that the mayor was dead? They returned hastily to the caravan and discovered the damaged wheel was repaired, and hurriedly prepared to leave. Carsten suddenly showed up out of nowhere, obviously seriously hurt, and barely able to walk, with a story of being attacked by bandits. Oswin insisted he ride inside one of the wagons, and even Magda rode with him to tend his wounds and nurse him a bit. And again, she tried to befriend him and was coldly rebuffed with, Woman, these things are beyond your understanding. Next stop, Zipf. 
Zip was the seat of a minor noble that ruled several towns in the area, including Gablets. We had met troops on their way to Gablets from the Baron and were told to carry a report of what had occurred there to him. There was also a temple of Shalia in Gablets, and Magda made a point of letting them know what had happened to the priestess and accompanied their senior sister to report to the Baron. Now, Magda essentially has a grudge against all nobles due to her mother's treatment by her own noble family. Um, while there managed to lift a lovely little statue, she was quite sure it would be worth a fortune in Altdorf. Perhaps even pay the rest of her brother's education. They spent the night at a local inn, and Magda feeling bad that Garth couldn't even afford the coppers to pay for a place to sleep in the common room, generously offered to pay for the night. After dinner, the party drifted apart, and Magda spotted a man of apparent wealth in a game of cards with two others. She drifted over and watched for a few minutes, and then inquired as to whether or not she might join the game. After a few hands back and forth with Magda winning, or the noble, the other two dropped from the game. Magda won the next hand, lost, then up the stake. As the cards were dealt, she noticed that the noble tried to cheat, guessing that he saw in front of him only a naive girl. The streets of Nuln were long behind her, but her skills were not. Using a brilliant sleight of hand roll, she cheated the cheater. As she pulled the coins towards her, the young noble tossed the cards on the table and suggested to Magda that they spend the rest of the night in a more energetic entertainment. Now, given Magda's mother's life, this was a suggestion that Magda had too often encountered and always infuriated her. She rose to her feet, sweeping the coins into her bag, picked her ale up and threw it in the man's face, then stormed off to her room, bolting the door and retired for the night. The next morning, the Baron's daughter, Veronica, joined the caravan, along with a mysterious man. Apparently, he was to escort her to meet her fiancé a few towns away, and they would be travelling with us. A dwarven fighter also joined the party as an agent of the Baron and his daughter. After leaving Zip, there were several encounters, one resulting in the party burning down an inn in a tavern outside Enzeberg. The claim was the innkeeper's wife was giving birth to demons. Magda saw none of that actually happen. She had taken her brandy and went to sleep in the stables after yet another argument with Carsten. They continued on as far as Langwald, where, where the fiancé joined the party, and they headed back to Zip, mostly without incident. After returning to Zip, the Baron's daughter called them to her father's office. He had taken ill, and as his sole heir, she would be managing the estate. They had a report of a village on the edges of their land, near the Hungerwood, that had somehow been overlooked in every tax census. She needed to go to the village and tender the offer of the Baron's protection, and so forth. The others were willing, Magda, however, was extremely reluctant, and when the source of information was revealed as yet another amethyst wizard, one Carsten went as far to identify as a brother. The young woman called Magda aside and appealed to her, woman to woman. While she had seen the party deal with aggressors, men were not famed for their diplomacy, and she would feel easier at mind if Magda went as well. Now, again, Magda responded. She had noted the minimal respect given this woman despite her position, and fully agreed any diplomacy left to Carsten was doomed to failure. So Magda struck a bargain. The Baroness would be able to guarantee Magda's brother's education and whatever he needed to get a good start when it was completed, should anything happen to Magda during this mission. The Baroness accepted. Carsten's wizard brother was to be our guide. It was a week or so into the journey when the party was attacked by strange beings and another day or two before those who had been wounded in the first attack started turning on and attacking the party. After Magda was forced to kill one such, some discussion. 
They realised they were not being taken to a village near the Hungerwood, but were already in the wood itself. The Hungerwood had a reputation for evil and danger, and they had already seen this themselves. The guide merely shrugged it off and told them this was the part of the village they saw. If they wished to return back, they could, but he was going on and of course Carsten sided with him. The rest of us reluctant to face the danger of the Hungerwood alone, warily continued on with them. We did find the village and it was extremely strange. First, there was an overwhelming scent of flowers nearly everywhere, and among the few villagers they saw, all of the women were wearing the same flower. Magda approached one of the first homes after entering as to inquire how to find the town's mayor and politely given directions. Though the person was extremely curious, uh, apparently they'd never had visits from outsiders. Not terribly surprising in the middle of the Hungerwood. They found the mayor and told him of the Baroness's concern and offer. He said he would have to think about it and they were welcome as guests at his home while they waited for his answer. They were introduced to his wife and daughter, both wearing the same flower yet again. Sometime that night, there was a major disturbance and the mayor's place came under attack from an entity that the others said was a witch. They failed to kill it, took quite a lot of damage, and anyone outside, when the attack started, could not enter. In fact, could not see or hear what was happening inside. Magda stopped Garth from issuing a killing blow when she realised that it was a woman, and not evil, but some sort of protector, and she feared acting the haste could do some serious harm. The entity withdrew, they took some damage, and the mayor informed them that the village had only just acquired a new healer after the old one disappeared in the forest to seek out a being the women referred to as Anya. Of course, the women being silly all believed this person or whatever protected the village, and it was Anya behind the notion that all the women wearing the same silly flower somehow made them safer. He described the new healer as a young woman, quite pretty, with a small son. The others didn't seem to pick up on it, but Magda knew. Early in the morning, Magda slipped out and got directions to the healer's cottage and made her way there. Her belief was confirmed when Carmilla answered the door and reeled back in her shock at seeing Magda. Magda quickly filled her in on how they came to be there, and since the jerk, Carsten, was still with them, Carmilla may do well to avoid them. Carmilla was far more concerned about Carsten's brother, hastily beginning to gather her things, informing Magda that the warning was appreciated. Carmilla... Carmilla was far more concerned about Carsten's brother, hastily beginning to gather her things, informing Magda that the warning was appreciated. This brother had been after her for a very long time and was trying to take her son to Anya. Magda had seen the child peeking out from the rough curtain that covered the bedroom door and gave him a reassuring smile, then left. this along, Carson and his wizard companion did indeed discover Carmilla and murdered her quite brutally when she took the first shot in an effort to defend herself and her son. Then the child disappeared. Carson returned to the mayor and told him what they had done, denouncing Carmilla as a witch, known and sought by the Amethyst Order. At this point, the mayor informed him that his wife and daughter have been taken and they believe Anya is holding them against their will for some right to change them into sort of minions. He also sends men to take care of Carmilla's remains, do a proper burial, and see if they can find the boy. They go into the clearing where Anya can be found, first to negotiate. The wizards were not with them. The mayor's son was with them because he wanted to rescue his mother and sister. 
The first contact with Anya was an effort to negotiate, but the boy, in his rage, struck Anya, and Magda interfered again. He would have hit, but Magda was certain the reaction would do the boy more harm than it would Anya. It was extremely obvious. Anya was far more than she seemed to be, in many ways almost appearing to be part of the massive tree under whose roots she seemed to live. They were carrying a message back to the mayor when they met two wizards on their way to catch up to the party. Carsten wanted to assess whether Anya was good or evil for himself. Magda had seen enough to vaguely grasp that Anya was not evil. She was indeed some sort of protector, and though she seemed to continue on alone, she turned back, climbed a tree, and watched what came next. She was powerless to act while she watched the dwarf that had been with them since Zip. The two wizards, Garth and some villagers, brutally butcher Anya. She fled the forest ahead of them and did not see that as Anya died, so did the forest. On returning to the village, she went straight to Carmilla's cabin and searched. She found a few items she did not understand. One, a beautiful stone on a cord that appeared to be a necklace, probably Carmilla's. A small crude stuffed doll, likely the boys, and a few bottles of what she could read enough to understand were healing draughts. Bundling these items up in her cloak, she slipped away again. The others returned, reported to the mayor with the rescued wife and daughter, and told them they had destroyed Anya and burned her home to the ground. The other wizard had been grievously injured, and after the battle, had disappeared. Later that day, while the others were seeing to the mayor's wife and daughter, Magda slipped back out to the forest, seeking out Anya's clearing, hoping to find the boy. She only briefly encountered the others, and due to tension, other than extremely odd looks from Carsten, they let her go away. She found the boy, and in order to gain his trust, offered him his mother's necklace and the doll. He looked at her oddly, took them, held out his hand to her, and in her head, she thought he heard him say, come. She took his hand and allowed him to lead her back to Anya's clearing. Here, her memories are a bit jumbled, but she clearly had the thought to reach through the ashes of the tree and take what she found there. She did so and pulled out what seemed to be a rather unusual seed. The pictures in her mind were of Anya telling her to take it and protect it. She turned back to the village. The child stayed with her a while, but disappeared when she heard others approaching. She again returned to Carmilla's cottage, seeking any other possible clue. She found an empty chest hidden under a floorboard in the bedroom. She hid the seed in there. While she was there, the child again appeared, slipping through the door without being seen or heard in the village. He did not speak, but shyly watched what she did. When she was finished, she tried to speak to him, but the child had been mute since they had first met outside Gablets. He reached inside his tattered clothing and offered her a small vial of liquid, indicating that she should drink it, still trying to gain his confidence. He would need someone to care for him, with his mother dead. Magda drank the odd-tasting liquid without hesitation. After finishing what she was doing, she heard voices approaching the cottage, and the boy again vanished. Due to her distress with the others, she slipped out before they got near, found a stable near the edge of the village, slipped in there, and slept through the night. Out of character notes. The liquid, with the collaboration of the Game Master, contained Warpstone, and over time would transfer Magda into a Chaos Witch. However, the necklace she returned to the boy was also Warpstone, and Carsten's odd look when they passed was that he sensed its presence and became suspicious of Magda, who had no clue as to what she was carrying or even what the liquid was.
After Magda left Carmilla's cottage, she was unaware of the fact that Carson had convinced the mayor that everything connected to Carmilla had to be destroyed, including her body. When they dug up her body for burning, Carson found a second necklace, though he did not know there was another, and he knew it was a warp stone, a substance of pure chaos. They burned down Carmilla's cottage. He was now also convinced that the boy must be found. To all of this, Magda was oblivious, sleeping peaceful, dreaming of horrible things happening to Carsten. Whilst Magda slept, oblivious to the world, she was so unaware that her friends were discussing the possibility that Magda herself was a witch. Her friendliness towards Carmilla back in Gablets and her efforts to stop them from making a horrible mistake with Anya made Garth suspicious. And when they had passed her in the forest, she carried Carmilla's necklace. Carsten informed the others that he had detected the taint of chaos in Magda. Their intent after dealing with destroying every trace of Carmilla was to find both Magda and the boy and take them to either priests of Sigmar or the witch hunters to either be found innocent or burned. Bloody hell. That was awesome. Uh, that was actually only half the story so far. We are going to do the next part uh, very soon, but uh, this is quite long, so I'm going to just upload the, the first half for you to listen to, and you can all wait in suspense for the next bit of Jeanette's story. Um, now, she includes at the end here one final um, out-of-character note, and basically uh, her party were playing over the internet and they were using something called TeamSpeak, which is basically just a um, sort of group voice chat tool. Um, she says, out of character, this went so far that the other players made a second TeamSpeak channel that they named Sneaky Private Stuff Room. And she knew that they knew that she drank the Warpstone potion. And, but obviously the character Magda didn't. So she was fully aware that they were, you know, plotting to possibly fuck her up. So she knew that they were sort of like conspiring against her almost. I mean, it's... So she knew that they were like conspiring against her, I guess. It's such a cool story so far. I'm going to do the reading of the next bit of it very soon. But for now, that's your bonus content. The next thing we will upload will be a regular episode. And then after that, we may finish this story off. But thanks so much. That was so enjoyable. Great, great story. Um, yeah, I'll see you next time. Chicken McBosh.